Wake up with the three legends, Steve, Steve and Steve, on the North East Footy Breakfast. The red, the tune and the cut. So, uh, it's Steve, Steve and Steve <laughs> this morning. No, I'm uh, Steve Wraith. <laughs> no, I'm Steve Wraith. <laughs> no, 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 I'm Steve Wraith. <laughs> We've angered him today. Can the and, I've got, and I'm Steve Wraith, who's got a letter going into Ofcom about bullying in the workplace. <laughs> Let's face it, let's face it, with a guy living in Australia and a Macken being prosecuted, they'll be guilty, there won't be a long court case. Can can the real Steve Wraith step forward, please? I think we all know who the real Steve Wraith is. I'm getting imitations. lawyers, we're delaying it till the end of next year. (laughs) I think we should explain ourselves, gentlemen. Uh, because it, no, this is radio, not television, so the listener can't see. So the True. boys, right? We have this. We have this piece of technology in the studio that connects us all all around the world, as though we're sitting in your living room. Uh, that might not be a pretty sight if it's my living room at the moment. <laughs> but uh, you put your name into it. So Dave here, who's pressing the buttons? Who's the monkey pressing the buttons? Knows who's on which channel? And this morning, the boys have put in Steve Wraith. No. I'm Steve Wraith. No, no, I'm Steve Wraith. So I haven't got a clue who's on where, which buttons to press or anything. So hence the Steve Wraith show this morning. But but the real Steve, that's not a bad thing, is it? No, well, they've tried it. They've tried it for two weeks now, so I just thought I'd give them a bite this morning. Yes. They're, they're loving it, like. They're loving we love it. it. They'll move on to something. They'll move on to something else. You know, maybe looking at the championship, which is where they are, and uh, looking at. Oh, and <laughs> oh, I was being nice to you. I was He's being fine. nice to you. <laughs> it, it's a nice place to be. No VAR. We'll live our life. <laughs> it's all about the you pies keep, and the pasties. You know, it's not you about keep, the prawn sandwiches. You, you keep know. telling yourself that, and they're missing ten thousand yeah. at the stage. <laughs> I'd rather that than pay 650 quid for a, for a posh pasty in your uh, oh, in your hospitality on, suite, it's Steve. Oh, it's on, it's on. We love it. I don't want to, do, to do that, mate. Not in my, not in my place. Where I get I've got my ten-year deal, mate. I'm all right. We've all been nice you know, and friendly for a couple of nice. weeks. I was, I was likening them to Spartacus. You know, it was actually, it was a compliment this morning. That's where the whole line come from. It was a great no, idea I'm from Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it would be right, mate. I knew it would be right. He was, he was trying to bully us. He was trying to bully us before you came on the show, mate. He's outed. He's outed. It's out there. He's throwing me. He's throwing me under a bus here. I don't. It was, oh, oh he's nice nice got a screenshot. It yeah. was me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a word. We're gonna have a word with. We're gonna have a word with Elon Musk. We can level the playing field out on Twitter. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Steve, I'm innocent in everything that's been said or done. Mate, I'm honestly a bystander. You know that you're my favourite, and uh, we have an original love that can't be broken. Ted's just like, <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Has anybody got wow. a stump all over the new boy, yeah? Oh, <laughs> and then Ted comes along, he's like, oh, could I pull up a chair? No, you can't, Ted. All right, we've been here long enough. I feel like a sick bucket. Has anybody got one? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Just off Scotswood Road. Let's get into it. We've got a big show for you on your Friday football. It is um, uh, the show that sweeps the nation, is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, the show that sweeps the nation. We've got the show that sweeps the nation. The Northeast Brecky Show. We've got a lot to talk about. We've obviously got football coming back this weekend. We've got Newcastle taking on Man United. We've got special guest Melly Barnes, uh, one of Steve's good friends from Man United, to come in and talk about everything happening at Man United. Is Onana a flop? Oh, na, na, na. 
Easy oh, nah, nah. for Man United. Is the stadium actually falling apart? We saw concrete falling from the stadium. And there's also a new cheeky record that Man United have just set, which hasn't gone the way of what Man United uh, would have liked to have done. So we'll talk to Melly uh, probably just after the hour for that one. We've also got to talk in because uh, Dave, Dave, Dave's left us, lads. He's no longer Radio Dad. Hmm? He's Parliament Dad. Oh, hey, Parliament Dad. <laughs> hey, he left us for the heights. The riches that I, the Parliament man himself is off to talk to the the uh, the T's mayor today about it's a bridge. It's it's <laughs> order, 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 order. order. Yeah. order. order. <laughs> I object. Oh, so we got that. We got a special interview that Dave did uh, as well. So we got that coming up, which is very fantastic. We've oh, mate, we've had talk, letters. Lads. We've had letters. We've had all sorts oh, of stuff. No. You know, now don't give a toss. Oh, no. I really don't. <laughs> I'm sick of politics. Politics has destroyed the northeast for far too long, particularly my area, Teesside. So say what you want. I've got broad shoulders. I don't give a toss. It was incredible. It was incredible because I actually had no idea. And then I looked on social media yesterday after you, after we're talking about the the interview coming up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we well, I had a look in it, and he yeah uh, Ben has been been defending left, right, and centre, hasn't he? Just it seems to be an absolute public outcry about the building I, of the bridge. To the left, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, it's of course all types of you know social what, media fellas, drama. I mean, yeah, we we go off into horticulture every now and again when the borough lose, don't we, Ray? Um, yes, which 100%. is quite which is quite often this season. Um, but yeah. Uh, but you know what? I don't do politics. I don't give a toss what colour somebody's rosette is. If they've got some good news to talk about for the area, let's hear it. I'm Absolutely. all ab- I'm all about sorting the northeast out. I'm all of some, for me personally. I'm all I'm all about sorting Teesside out. You know, and if yeah. we can come together, we can do what's right for the town and the people. I'm sorry. Throw as many brick bats as you want. I don't give a toss. Love it. Absolutely well love it. And that's why we're getting the mural of our four faces. Uh, on every bridge <laughs> in the northeast, coming very soon. Yeah, yeah, a massive yeah. mural of our foreheads. Made a massive, made a massive wall for yours, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking up three Ooh. bridges by myself. <laughs> Need Mount oh, Rushmore Maguire, for that oh, forehead. Oh, it's cutting. Yeah, Maguire's got nothing on me, mate. I'll tell you, Maguire, I have you, I have you a large head off any day of the week, man. Oh, I got you covered. Mate, it's, We've got to talk it's, it's cutting this morning. It's cutting. This, <laughs> this one I thought would be absolutely fantastic. We spoke about this earlier about agents and their commissions and how sometimes agents lead their players astray. Well, lads, English football agents have got into bat in a legal argument to, against FIFA to get more money. Apparently, FIFA were trying to commission, uh, put caps on their commissions that agents were getting. Obviously, starting to see some agent fees coming through from transfers being absolutely ridiculous. We've seen the likes of Saha just rumoured Salah, sorry, rumoured to go to Saudi Arabia in a $200 million deal, which would break the world. Uh, imagine being the agent on that one. So the the caps uh, that FIFA were trying to put on commission fees that agents were going to win has been stopped in a legal case, and the agents have won. So the agents are still going to stay rich, uh, which is incredible. So I've just wanted to let you all know that I've started my own agency this morning, uh, and I'm looking to recruit some players. If you want to uh, come on in, I can probably get you a good deal uh, down at Hartlepool these days. I'll probably get you a game, I reckon. Uh, and obviously, we need to talk about, obviously... Uh, we need to talk about the Everton. Everton are at risk at another points deduction uh, this season after it was confirmed that a new breach of the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules should be dealt with by the end of May. So the Premier League has come out and said that they're going to uh, have they're going to show you there's a new breach, uh, especially well, from Everton as May. well. 
uh, at the so, end of so May, what apparently. Use, what use is that? Because at the end no, of I, May, that's exactly Everton my question could be to one you. point, let's say there could be 10 points clear of the relegation zone. Um, yep. And then they could have 10 points deducted, could go down on goal. You're going to slap them again. Yep. And yep. Then, yep. But then then they won't be relegated. Oh, it could be de- it could be dealt with earlier. It? it could be dealt with earlier because what's been said this morning is it's this year's set of accounts or if you like the set of accounts that are due to be submitted this year before the end of the year and if they're right. received on time they might if if the the initial um appeal is delayed until early next year because we've got Christmas coming up, a new year, then they might try and expedite it and, and rush it all through at the same time, but there's no guarantees that's going to wow. happen. The stars have got to align for that to happen, which I think in, in, in football speak, in politics speak, um, it's not going to happen because no, nobody, moves, nobody moves quickly, <laughs> do they? No, Who out no, of these organisations move quickly? The slower than the slow no. thing. So, yeah, May next year, they've set a date for that. And we've also got Man City as well, where the Premier League and Man City have now agreed that they will face off in the uh, in the independent panel about their peak breaches scheduled for late autumn of 2024. So the Premier League and Man City have now both revealed uh, that the what? independent panel for the... So that's why they're going after breaches, Everton then. Uh, yeah, they've scheduled it for late autumn in 2024. Official from both they, what, Premier League and Man City. Why are they even getting City, an opportunity so. to... Why are they getting an opportunity to schedule it? I mean, this yeah. is just ridiculous. Uh, Everton, Everton they've, they've done the hearing with Everton. They've just put it through. It's, you don't get an opportunity to schedule these things. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Nah. Like, it, yeah, it anyone who's dealt crazy, with football at any level, in, in you know, <laughs> even Sunday League, Saturday League, at, at amateur level, the FA send you a letter. They tell you when to go and you've got to go. You don't just say, oh, well, uh, you know, we'll, yeah. I'll not be able to make it till next year. You know, <laughs> come on, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. For, That's it ridiculous. is. It is. So, yeah, we've got all the hot topics for your Friday show. But, of course, we've also got the presses from Michael Carrick and um, Mogga, who is obviously feeling a little bit better. And back to his normal grumpy way, says Ted. <laughs> so oh. quiet and grumpy from Mogga this morning. So it'll be good to hear from uh, both the managers as we preview the weekend. Obviously, Eddie Howe will be today. Uh, yeah, Newcastle v Man United. Borough taking on Leeds in the Yorkshire Derby and Millwall versus Sunderland. Uh, Newcastle, the only team at home this weekend in the Northeast as well. So that's quite interesting. But... Should we sing it off, lads? Your Friday morning, we got some club headlines to kick on the weekend. Let's get into the news headlines. Mackhams and Proud, Black Cats News. Good morning and happy Friday, Mackhams. Tony Mowbray is looking for a response when Sunderland travelled to Millwall in the Skybet Championship on Saturday. The lads slipped to a narrow defeat to Huddersfield on Wednesday, but the gaffer believes this weekend's trip to the Den provides an opportunity to get back on track. In this division, there's always a game around the corner to put things right, Mowbray said. It's a difficult place to go, but we'll prepare the team for what will hopefully be a positive performance and the result to match. We weren't good enough on Wednesday, we knew what to expect, but we lacked the creativity and we have to take that on the chin. The supporters turn up in great numbers week in, week out, and that's why it's disappointing when we put in a performance that's under par. All our focus is now on Millwall and getting back to winning ways. Former Sunderland striker Ross Stewart has suffered another injury setback and missed Southampton's 1-0 win over Bristol City on Wednesday. The 27-year-old joined the Saints from Sunderland in the summer but was still recovering from an Achilles injury he sustained playing for the Black Cats in January. Stewart has made two appearances off the bench for Southampton against West Brom and Huddersfield this month but picked up another issue in the game against the Terriers at the weekend. 
Saints manager Russell Martin said in a statement, it doesn't look overly positive at this minute in time. It's nowhere near to the extent of the injuries had, but he's picked up something else, which sometimes is part and parcel of the recovery from a long injury and the process of that. And he's looked in good shape since. Tony Mowbray has suggested that an underperforming Sunderland star could return to the starting lineup soon. Speaking after the defeat to Huddersfield, the Black Cats boss admitted that Lewis Hemier needs an opportunity. Hemier joined Sunderland from Benfica in summer, having made a total of 31 appearances across the B team and their under-19s, scoring 11 goals. The striker featured heavily in Sunderland's pre-season campaign and looked very impressive, though he was still expected to be slowly eased into the first team if the Black Cats were to add an experienced forward to the ranks. And that's your Friday headlines for Sunderland. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Friday. We have a big game this weekend. Middlesbrough will travel to Leeds on Saturday in what is a mini derby, a.k.a. the Yorkshire derby. The newly relegated Leeds will give Michael Carrick a nice warm welcome, tongue-in-cheek there, given his playing days and now gaffer of the Borough. But Carrick says the Ellen Road trip is just business as usual. Although you respect it, you trust the lads, have all played in big games and will deal with it very well. Burrow now will be sweating on the late fitness tests of Dale Fry and Hayden Hackney, with Carrick unsure whether they will be fit in time for the trip. He will leave it late to decide, and hopefully they will pass a fitness test either today or tomorrow morning, leaving as much time as they can to get both Dale Fry and Hayden Hackney back. But with Sam Greenwood unavailable due to the nature of the loan deal obviously being on loan from Leeds, Burrow could now be without nine first-team players for the trip to Carrick, Ellen Road. But Carrick knows and trusts whoever does play will be up for the challenge and just a great game for us to go in and win. And on that injury front, Carrick said, sadly, it's just one of those things when someone gets injured. As a club, he said, of course they look at it and has asked uh, and obviously asked the question if they could have done anything differently. But unfortunately, it's just a part of football, says Carrick, these days with the long sessions and the long uh, game time now. Uh, they have, that's why you have a squad to make up for it. And also in the recovery of Lewis O'Brien, obviously the Nottingham Forest loanee is actually staying at the Riverside. Lewis was uh, on in for surgery just two weeks ago on a bad injury suffered in that Watford game. Uh, but Lewis is now remaining with Middlesbrough, even though he's on loan. And he will, Carrick says that's a good, shine, good sign of what character Lewis O'Brien is. And just finally for the Borough, the Academy obviously seeing Law McCabe have making his debut midweek. Players being good enough will get their chance, says Carrick. It says what Borough are trying to build. Always a two-way thing that the Academy is a big part of what the club is trying to be about and to supplement from the lowest. And he said seeing Law make his debut and Clarkie coming back just shows what Middlesbrough is all about. Bring on Leeds! Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle fans, and it's another big game in the Premier League this weekend as Newcastle are in action on Saturday night when they host Manchester United in an 8 o'clock kickoff, and it's live on TNT Sports. Eddie Howe's side are bidding for a sixth successive home win in the Premier League, which would match the sequence between February and April 2022. Before that, one has to go back to 2004 for another half dozen wins at St James's Park off the belt. Team injury news, well, uh, it's not getting any better at the moment. Elliot Anderson is still out, as is Harvey Barnes, Sven Botman, Dan Byrne, Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy, Matt Target, Callum Wilson and Joe Willock now added to that injury list as well. Sandro Tonoli, of course, is suspended. Good news for Newcastle fans is that Emil Kraft and Matt Ritchie are both available after being ineligible to face PSG in the Champions League on Tuesday night. 
Uh, another thing to watch out for is that Kieran Trippier and Jamal Lascelles are both one book and away now from an automatic one-game ban, uh, which would just add further misery to Newcastle's uh, crisis in the first team. As for Manchester United, well, Marcus Rashford will be available for selection after serving a one-game European ban in midweek, but Mason Mount and Christian Eriksen and Casemiro all miss out. Good news for Newcastle, lad. Ahead of their visit to Tyneside, Eric Ten Hag's side drew 3-3 with Galatasaray in Turkey on Wednesday night, despite going 2-0 up in the opening 20 minutes. Away from home in the Premier League this season, Manchester United have lost their opening two games, uh, 2-0 to Spurs and 3-1 to Arsenal, but have since won four times on the road against Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham and Everton. They've lost twice, but they haven't drawn on the road yet. One other point of interest is that their much-maligned defence, which includes Harry Maguire, haven't conceded a Premier League goal in the last 280 minutes of play. So an interesting game coming tomorrow night at St James's Park. That's your Newcastle United news this Friday morning. Wake up with the three legends, Steve, Steve and Steve, on the <laughs> North East Footy Breakfast. The red, the tune and the car. Well, you guys did it. I mean, if you're going to put Steve Wraith <laughs> into the system three times, yeah. then, you know, the computer responds. We're breaking the system. Yeah. What I love is I the little Beavis and Butthead laughs in between. We <laughs> 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 have to mute. <laughs> oh, no. Good morning, Northeast. It is... Uh, 19 past 7 this morning. Welcome to the Friday Brekkie Show. Uh, we have got Steve, can myself, just, Ted and Dave you? in the studio. Have you, have you had to yeah. reset the clock uh, to UK time, right? To, I've to got a borough clock, change. yeah. i got a borough clock just it's, yeah. it's set on borough yeah. time, is it? They've got a borough time right here, so Excellent. I know exactly. Because the amount of times I have to organise or talk to someone or... Uh, you know, there's a podcast I need I mean, to go on. I need to know what time it's going to be for we, me and what time did, it is for you We guys, did have so. the Cypriot slip a few weeks ago, didn't we, from Ted? When he we, said did, we did, we did, but I panicked half the northeast and it was 10 o'clock. And I went out, I went, I went and brought a, a bread and water. I'm late for work. Yes, I've set my yeah. clock to uh, pension seaboard time now. Uh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, absolutely love yes, it. Yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. Do you guys have different time zones in the UK, though? Like, because yeah. I know in Australia, like, so we've got... We got where I am in New South Wales, right? We're currently in daylight savings, but we've got the other side of Australia doesn't do daylight savings, and they're two hours behind. We've got Adelaide, which is the south of Australia, that's bizarre, they're half an hour behind, but do daylight yeah, savings. Half we've got an Queensland, hour. which is a, just above us, they don't do daylight savings, so they're just an hour behind. Like we've got literally every state in Australia is just making up their own different time zone here. Do you guys have that in the UK at all? Is it is there different time zones from the north to south at all? I think yeah. there is. Yeah, right? You walk through. I think you walk through certain parts of the northeast, and you think like you walk. You're you are walking in back 70s. in time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um, no, we don't have different time zones. Apart from the oh, south, of geez, course, because the south are always behind. They're so full of themselves. The northeast leads <laughs> by far. By far. Far the northeast leads. The southerners are all yeah, you know, behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, but in Middlesbrough, in, oh, in Middlesbrough, they tend to think it's morning all the time because all the lasses are walking around in their pajamas. Oh, That's Newcastle okay. Keyside, oh, mate. That's okay. Newcastle Keyside. <laughs> <laughs> Can't Thanks see people in Middlesbrough with a smog. Is it, isn't Ormsby known as? I think Ormsby is known as Pajama Town, isn't it? Hey, I was born there. You be careful. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Says Ted from from his uh, his radio station in his boxes uh, over there. So he's just uh, he's 26 degrees. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm looking for the camera. <laughs> 
Let's paint an image of what Ted's doing the radio wearing. That's uh, that's not one you want to go down. Let's talk football, lads. We've got some big games. We'll talk just briefly about the three games we've got for the Northeast uh, this weekend, just before your half hour. And then after the 8 a.m. period as well, we will go in and get the lads' predictions for all of their games as well. But we'll just break it down quickly. We've got three big games coming up. Newcastle taking on Man United. Obviously a massive game there. Newcastle uh, in good form. Obviously just a little bit still... Mm, we'll, we'll, we'll get Steve's thoughts on how they're feeling after that PSG. I dare say they'll put it behind themselves and taking on Man United. Man United, a little bit all at sea at the moment. They've got worries with Onana. Uh, they are falling uh, and letting goals in. But in the Premier League, it could be a different story. What type of Man United will we see at Newcastle this weekend? We've got Borough in the Yorkshire Derby taking on Leeds just down the road. Uh, in their newly relegated team, still full of uh, Premier League players, is that? And two ex-Borough players, Dave, still there in Bamford. Uh, so Bamford yep. could make it a uh, little display there. And then we've also got Millwall versus Sunderland. Sunderland coming off that midweek shock loss to Huddersfield. Can Sunderland back by, bounce back and find some goals uh, to get over Millwall? Uh, but it's going to be a tough test for all three Northeast uh, teams this weekend. Let's start off with Newcastle Man United, Steve. Obviously, you are inviting Man United up to you, coming off both midweek performances. Man United uh, taking on Galatasaray and going three all there. Obviously, you drawing with PSG one all. Uh, Man United with a shorter break uh, for the game, but Newcastle still with that horrific injury list. Uh, are you expecting to have anyone fit? And what are you expecting from Eddie House presser today? Well, we're not inviting them. They've got to come anyway, Ray. Um, but <laughs> True. I, I, I mean, to be honest, Newcastle United against Manchester United is one of those fixtures you look for. You always look for it yep. at the start of the season. Um, probably the same as Liverpool for me. Two two of the biggest games. When you haven't got a derby game to play, then these are the these are the, the big fixtures. And the atmosphere is always you know special for the for the trip of Manchester United to to St James's Park. This edge that we've got between us and Manchester United always stems, I guess, from the entertainers era when Newcastle and Manchester United were neck and neck for a couple of seasons for the league title. And, you know, obviously Manchester United pipped Newcastle in the infamous Keegan rant season. And then the following season when Keegan walked away and Daglish came in, Newcastle finished second again behind Manchester United. So there was a, a, a rivalry stoked up by Premier League and by Sky and, and you know, it was beneficial for all. But, you know, as far as trophy rivals are concerned, you know, it's laughable. You know, we're, we're not really rivals. But it has, over the years since we've been a, a you know, a yo-yo club, we've, when we've come back, we've we've beaten Manchester United in some, some great games. There's been some absolute humdingers at St James's Park. But then under Mike Ashley, it was it was embarrassing. We you know we we would be beaten at home on a regular basis by the Red Devils, and we were you know we were just you know we were sick of our lives. But in the last couple of seasons, um, we we found our way again. I mean, even Steve Bruce managed to conjure up a win against Manchester United with Matty Longstaff scoring a an absolute raker, and in another game, Matt Ritchie scoring a a, a singular goal to 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 gain the points for Newcastle. But in the last couple of seasons has been a draw and a win and Newcastle just go about their jobs, you know, well. And this season, going to Old Trafford for the first time in over 90 years and, and comprehensively beating Manchester United on their own ground, you really do feel now that the, you know, the, the, the proverbial worm has turned. You feel that for the first time, Newcastle may finish above Manchester United in the Premier League. There's a confidence there. There's a feeling there amongst Newcastle fans that this this could be the, the turning point. And I think I would probably get more satisfaction 
out of finishing above Manchester United than anybody else this season because we've never done it. And, mm. you know, that is a benchmark for us. If we can start to regularly finish above Manchester United in the Premier League, then we know we're on the course for, for, for you know, for, for doing something at last. And, and that's, that's positive. But injuries-wise, I touched upon it in the headlines. The answer is no. There's nobody coming back. Um, obviously, Eddie Howe, unlike Mogger and uh, Carrick, doesn't do his press conference till Friday. And... When he does his press conference, he gives very little away. Um, I think the rumour mill is suggesting that Sven Botman could be uh, you know, closer to a return than Eddie Howe is letting on. We do know as well, I mean, you know, I do a press conference review on NUFC matters and the, the suggestion was that Harvey Barnes would be back earlier than January. So in his last press conference, Eddie Howe confirmed that it was likely that, you know, Barnes would be back a little bit sooner, but still wouldn't commit. So... I still think that he look he is looking further down the line. He's looking at the two big fixtures at the end of this, well, in the middle of this month, which is AC Milan at home in the Champions League and Chelsea away in the Carabao Cup. And I think he would like to have the majority of those players back and, and fit and ready to go for those two games. So I think after after you know last weekend's 4-1 win against Chelsea and the 1-1 draw against PSG in Paris on Tuesday where he named an unchanged team and, and surprisingly didn't use a substitute on Tuesday, or maybe not surprisingly, but I think he might roll the dice. And if everyone's fit and ready to go, he may go for the an unchanged team again tomorrow. But, you know, he's struggling for, for personnel. And we said it on the show last Monday and we said it on the show last Friday that, you know, ultimately, you know, it's the bench that's the weakest part of our squad at the moment. The first team that we put out is is capable of doing a job, and we've proved that in in both competitions this week. But it's it's whether you know there's an injury or someone has to go off or he wants to change something. His options are limited, so it's it's all going to be down to that. I'm delighted to see Casemiro missing. He, I've got to be honest, he's not he's not a great player for me, but he just seems to have a good game against Newcastle. He's he's a bit of a uh, you know, he's a bit of a, a Jonah player for us. Whenever he's on the pitch, he seems to do well. And to see that he's missing tomorrow is is a huge bonus for, for Newcastle. To see that Harry Maguire's fit and that he's, you know, he's, he's playing regularly is a bonus as well because I think he's at against Maguire. There's only going to be one winner in that game. And I think that the, the, the ever-grown confidence of Lewis Miley on, you know, Tuesday was so evident, you know, making his Champions League you know, starting debut uh, after coming on, of course, against Dortmund. I think that the uh, the confidence will just be growing in that 17-year-old. And I think as well that the youngsters on the bench will grow in confidence from seeing how well Lewis Miley has, has taken to it. And I think there'll be a lot of these kids will be thinking, if only I could get on, if I can get on and show what I can do. That's where we're at at the moment. And it's going to make... Looking further ahead, it's going to make Eddie Howe's job very, very difficult come January when players are back. Because, you know, Tino Livramento, who, let's remember, is only a few years older than Lewis Miley, is is is, is looking so accomplished at left-back. I would say that Dan Byrne and, and Matt Target must be concerned about getting back into this team at this moment in time because I couldn't drop, I couldn't drop Tino uh, for, for the performances he's put in. So, for all the negativity around the, the injuries... I think there's so much to be positive about as a Newcastle fan. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. 
the Stockholm syndrome is well and truly lifted from me. I go to every game now expecting to get something, thinking that we're going to get something, and it's not an arrogance. It's we're good enough to do this. And I think that anyone going up to Newcastle tomorrow thinking it's going to be a you know it's going to be a quiet atmosphere tomorrow. I think me and Dad Gadusi will get his wish tomorrow, especially <laughs> after everybody will have been out from twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Um, there'll be a few sore heads on Sunday. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more measured and go out a little bit later, but um, but I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's it's a big game, and um, as we said, we'll do the predictions after the after the eight o'clock news. But um, it's a game I'm looking forward to and a game I'm very confident about. You stopped That's bang on seven thirty to the second. I was watching, I was watching what the a clock. man! What a man! <laughs> it is time for your sports headlines. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stonygate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the northeast, the red, the two. I've got to say, guys. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. What's going on there? I've got to say, guys. I, I was really tempted at playing the Steve, Steve, Steve jingle, but you know, there's flogging a dead horse and there's flogging a dead horse, isn't it? And just immature. Absolutely. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, I do apologise. You, you, you have my apology on bended knee. But anyway, we're joined by our first guest of the morning, Steve. Yes, Jake Rusby. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm fine. How are you all? Very good, Morning, mate. Jake. Very good. And the reason we've got the reason we've got Jake on is because he's done a wonderful book, Newcastle United, Match of My Life, along with his good mate Alex Crook. Um, and uh, I got him on the podcast a, a couple of months ago to chat about it. Um, Jake, first of all, congratulations on on doing. Thank the you. Book. Tell it. Tell us a little bit about it. What What was the idea? What was the concept? Uh, so the concept is it's it's a collection of interviews with some of the greatest players to ever pulled on the black and white shirt. And the focus is the greatest game that they've ever played. So it's a sort of first-person narrative from uh, 20-plus players talking about their favourite games. Uh, and uh, it's it's not a unique idea. It's been done about uh, other clubs, mainly South Coast clubs. Um, but I had the idea... Uh, actually, several of these books have been done by Alex. And I approached him and said, look, I live in the Northeast, Mate, there's no better set of fans to do a book for than the than Toonami. And he, he, put, he put it to the publisher and... Uh, they snapped it up straight away, and so I spent the past year and a bit doing that with him, and it's been absolutely magical. <laughs> How do you start, you know, getting in touch with these kind of people then? So Alex had a couple of contacts. So he's a, a reporter at TalkSport. He's their chief football correspondent. So he had a couple of uh, ways to open some doors. And once we had um, one or two, it was easier to get more. Uh, a few people helped us out along the way, including yourself, Steve, which I will uh, publicly, thank, publicly thank you for again. Uh, and a few of Alex's contacts helped him out. I did a lot of work on online, finding agents for different players and getting in contact through them. Some of them we approached via social media, you know, sending sending them DMs and things like that, and it was a, a variety of ways, really. I've got the list in front of us who you know you managed to sit down with. Uh, I mean, the first one I'll come to is a manager, uh, Rafa Benitez, who of course was at Newcastle under the much maligned Mike Ashley era, um, but who's had a great deal of affection for the fans. A, a lot of the fans like Rafa and look like the cut of his jib, like the way that he dealt with things with Mike Ashley. What what was he like to speak to? You know, he was great. He was he was just very very genuine. Um, I went through his agent. And I kind of I emailed him um, 
uh, I've got some, I've got a decent level of Spanish through uh, secondary school. So I sent him in, uh, his agent an email and his, his agent emailed me back saying, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, Rafa, Rafa might be up for it. We'll, we'll, we'll just see. I think. So I thought, oh, okay, great. And then um, I got a phone call the next day from a withheld number and I picked it up and it was Rafa. <laughs> uh, and, um, and he just, he's, he proceeded to, to speak to me for about an hour about all kinds of things about, about Mike Ashley, about, um, about his favorite games, uh, about his time at the club, about the fans, about the city. And he was just really, really genuine as well. Uh, it was a really, really, really lovely discussion with him. The number nine shirt is significant at Newcastle. It's um, it, it's something which you know hangs heavy on the shoulders if um, if you're struggling in front of goal. Uh, but we've had some absolute legends wearing it, and uh, you met two from two different eras. You met Celes, uh, Celes Ferdinand, of course, and and Supermac. I mean, two two great goal scorers. I bet they had some great stories to tell. They did. Papi Cisse as well, number nine. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, Cisse yeah, as well I mean, from a more modern era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he actually told me something. He was one of my favourite chapters, and I'll go into why in a minute. Um, Supermac was great, and actually I've been in touch with him a lot. I know you do a lot of him, Steve. Really genuine yeah. bloke, always happy to help. His stories, yeah, I mean, his was the longest interview and the longest chapter because the, the man has got story upon story upon story. So uh, the, you know, sitting down with him actually in a local pub was, was brilliant. Um, Celez was my first... Uh, in uh, my first interview, my second interview after I, I did Warren Barton first, then Celeste second, and he was just again so warm and genuine. And and since I've corresponded with him quite a lot, and he's you know he's helped me out, and he's just been really uh, really warm and and really open, just you know just like an ordinary guy who happens to be an absolute you know, uh, footballing legend. Uh, so th- th- they were both full of stories. You know, Les told us about when he was given the number nine shirt. Actually, well, sorry, not when he was given. When he had to give away the number nine shirt to, to Alan Shearer when he when he signed, and that was quite a funny story about Kev- Kevin Keegan approaching him in an airport, telling him that um, they, were, they were they were signing someone, and Alan Shearer was like, "Right, who?" And he said, he "Told him who it was." Told him it was Shearer, and. Um, and says, let's say, yeah, okay. Uh, and he said, well, I think, you know, people are going to say you can't play together. I think you can. All right, great, great boss, great. There's another thing, by the way, he's sort of pulled him back. The shirt, he wants the number nine. And and, Keegan, and um, Ferdinand was quite stony-faced and saying, yeah, and are you going to give it to him? And I think, I think he, he made it quite difficult for, for Kev. But, um, but the way he looked at it was, was quite good. He sort of said, right, uh, you know, I've never stood in front of the, uh, he's never stood on the terraces you know, and, and, and cheer the team on. And so he, at, at the end of the day, he, he was, you know, he was okay. To, he was okay to part with it. Um, that was quite a good story with, um, with, with Cissé, his, the story of his number nine shirt was really interesting because he, he, he was signed, um, went into Pardew's office and Pardew said, um, what shirt number do you want? And Cissé said, I want the number nine boss. And Pardew said, Are you sure? And he said, yeah. And he said, right, well, wait one minute and look at this. And he pulled down like a screen uh, and put a projector on, and, and it was a compilation of video of goals uh, from Alan Shearer. And uh, I think Cissé didn't really know who he was at that point. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and, he, and he just watched goal after goal after goal, and, and then he sort of put the screen up and said, well, what do you think? And uh, Cissé said, oh, I want it more now, I want it more. You know, he, he, uh, he, and he, he was sort of inspired by, 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 you know, by seeing this brilliant. number nine for Newcastle and, and then wanting the shirt. And I, thought, and, and I just thought that was, that was brilliant. Uh, and he said that, you know, he had that scoring run at the start, of his, yeah. um, of his, of his, of his uh, tenure there, and he said, uh, "Well, he 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 he'd basically given up on the chance to go to Bayern Munich previously, uh, just a few months earlier, so he could go to the um, African Cup of Nations. Because uh, if if he'd gone to Bayern, he wouldn't be able to go to the African Cup of Nations. So he waited it out and went to Newcastle, 
and went back to the African Cup of Nations and didn't play. And he said that all the goals he was going to score for his country, he was going to score for Newcastle in the coming weeks. And that was, I thought that was quite cool because obviously he went on that massive scoring run of whatever it was, 12 and 13 or 13 and 14, I can't remember. So yeah. that, that was brilliant. Yeah, that was great. Last, last couple from me because I know the lads will probably want to jump in. This is the North East Footy Brecky Show and we've got Sunderland and Middlesbrough fans listening in as well. So let's just talk about two more two more players from our perspective who both had a connection to Sunderland, Lee Clark and Barry Venison. Yeah, uh, Lee Clark, great. He actually joined us at the live, the live launch event on Friday. Again, really genuine bloke. Um, talks about playing for both clubs. Uh, had, again, full of stories. Told us how he used to get um, get the bus to games, like when he was in the first team because he hadn't passed his driving test yet. And sometimes the uh, bus driver would let him on for free if he'd had a good game. I thought that was that was a really, really funny line. Sounds like Clark. Yeah, oh, great, great. Um and yeah, Barry was brilliant as well. I spoke to him. I mean, I got hold of him just through Google. I just managed to find him. I mean, I used to be a journalist, so I just dug him up. It was very funny. Yeah, got hold of him, and he sort of said, "How did you get my number?" I was just, I just googled you, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, he he was. He, my favourite thing that he came out with was about. Um, he talked about his hair. I had to ask him about his hair, and he was saying that when he was playing uh, and his obviously had his famous mullet, he used to get so much abuse of fans, but he kept it because he got the abuse, because it fired him up for games. So it really gave him that extra oomph on the pitch. I thought that was cool. Uh, and yeah, it, it, just why Keegan signed him, he was talking through that and how, you know, during the sort of entertainers area, everyone, everyone else would kind of flood forward and he'd be the only man at the back. And he was that sort of, that, the kind of glue holding it all together. I thought that was quite funny. I'm really yeah, surprised. Both, 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 both. This is Dev. This is Dev, one of the two smoggies on here. Um, I'm really surprised Alan Shearer, you know, didn't talk to you about his favourite game being Middlesbrough's three-one defeat of Newcastle at the Riverside. Um, <laughs> you know, when he managed to score in the 45th minute, but Derek White, Mikel Beck, and Fabrizio Ravanelli put him and Newcastle to the stake. Did he not mention that one? <laughs> well, do you know what? I didn't. I didn't interview him. Cricky got to do him. He got to do uh, Shearer on a golf course in Portugal, which was all right. <laughs> I didn't get to do that. <laughs> you, get, you get a you get a session after googling Barry Venison, and he gets Shearer on a golf yeah. course. But you're exactly, missing a trick yeah, here, mate. You're missing that's a trick. How it, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's Riley Australian from uh, from the Smoggy from Down Under. Uh, I wanted to talk Hello. to you, obviously, if there was. Um, uh, any sort of you know issues with language barriers? Obviously, we I, uh, coming from Australia and, and talking to a few players and a few people over there. Sometimes I have the uh, the, the the language issue or, or, or mispronunciation. Obviously, you said you were uh, had some studies there with Spanish, but was there any you know sort of language barriers you had to overcome during any of the interviews? Really good question. Um, no, so everyone was pretty pretty good with their English. I was a, I was you know a bit concerned uh, ahead of some of my interviews that. Because I'd corresponded with a lot of people by email uh, yeah. or like WhatsApp, like I did a lot of with uh, Fabrizio Colaccini and uh, Jonas Gutierrez, who are two of my favourites. We did. I, I spoke to them a lot via, via WhatsApp and messaging back and forth. And I was I was messaging them in Spanish because I thought it was kind of polite. And so I didn't I didn't yeah. know how good their English was going to be when I spoke to them. So I did have you know I did I, I did sort of, I was prepared to, to be able to use a bit of that, if it, or, you know, a bit a bit of a mix of the two if I needed to. But actually, it was fine. And the only other guy was, was Papi Cisse, but again, his English was 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 really good. I kind of did a bit of research and saw that he'd done previous interviews in English, 
not his first ones when he came to the club. Originally, he had the translator, but the later ones, mm. and 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 since he's been since he left the club, he, he, his English seemed really good. So actually, it, it wasn't a problem. I think the the, the person we spoke to of the worst English, the the, the the person who struggled the most with English through this whole thing is probably Alex Crook, and his from from Pompey. So he do his interviews like that. <laughs> Loads of bells ringing That's in the background in that. Yeah. yeah. Ted, any yeah, questions? Yeah, it was all fine. Oh, we've Wait, lost the Mackham. He's gone. The we've Mac-ham's lost gone. the Mackham. Did the you Mackham's gone. Where? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what happened there, lads. The uh, yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look, honestly, Jake, we understand all about the language barrier because Rye tries to speak English every morning, and we have a little bit of problem understanding him as well. Um, I'm doing a little bit of stalking on you there, Jake, and just having a look at the background. Obviously, born in London, you've moved around the UK a little bit, spent some time in Manchester. What is it for you that that sets the Northeast fans apart from others? What 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 do you think it is that drives that sort of passion? That we've got for our clubs because it, it can't be overachievement certainly <laughs> no um I, I don't think i can say what 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 it is but i know that there is something and that is i mean and i i've not been to really spend any time in middlesbrough so i can't really comment on middlesbrough but i have spent some time in sunderland probably a good idea stop it oh, yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. i have oh, Obviously, spent a lot of time in, in Newcastle, uh, living in North Shields, just down the road, and and it's just it's just the most passionate bunch of fans I've ever come across. Maybe you know the whole one city one club thing, um, but it, it's just fascinating, and and I love it. I really, really do. Um, it f- for me, I'm, I'm a football fan first and foremost. So I'm an, I'm not a Newcastle fan. So, but 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 for me, I, I kind of have this affinity now where I really want them to do well, and I, I never thought I'd feel like that about a club. You know, your club is your yeah. club, right? I mean, as, as you guys supporting Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Newcastle, I bet it's quite difficult to think about or to, to think about feeling an affinity for a different football club other than your own, and not feeling that sort of tribalism. No. And I've kind of, I've sort of yeah. stepped away a little bit from that, and that book's helped me with that. And I, I feel yeah. like. I can I can appreciate other clubs and want other clubs to do well now, and not feel so well. They're not my team, so I don't want them to do well about it. And <laughs> and and especially yeah. with Newcastle, and I've got so many friends who are Newcastle fans, and doing this whole thing and speaking to all these players and 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 hearing from them firsthand how connected they still feel to the fans to the club. It really has been such a heartwarming experience, and and I, I really want them to do well, and 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 I. And yeah, the, the passion up here is, is unrivaled. Like at, at the launch event, which was on Friday, we managed to get Jason Tyndall down um, last minute. He turned up and, and kind of came on stage, and we were in the Playhouse in Whitley Bay, and it was like being at St James's Park. They were just they were chanting and singing, and it was crazy. It was just so loud. <laughs> I'd never experienced anything like it. These you know a few hundred people just singing, and you know it's just. It was just amazing, really. The passion and the people came dressed up, all in black and white, black and white trousers, you know, face paint, everything. It was incredible, you know, and I've never seen anything like that. And I think it's uh, it's brilliant. I love it. Right. I know you mentioned you, you hadn't been to Middlesbrough, Jake, but, you know, if I can just fill you in with the details of, you know, Northeast geography, passion for football fans. The further south you go in the Northeast, the more passionate they are about their team. Just, just to let you know. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have, I'll have to. I'll have to put. I'll have to put that to the test. The only middle, the only people. From, I've got a couple of friends who are middle, who from Middlesbrough. They, they don't like football, so I, I'll have to. I have to. You yeah, know, they were born in Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff from great stuff from you, mate. Where can people get the book? 
Oh, anywhere. It's, it's in Waterstones. It's in local bookshops. It's on Amazon, of course. Uh, probably people are probably already reselling it on eBay. <laughs> it's everywhere, you know. Um, and it, and it, and you know what? It's it's doing really well as well. And I really hope that we can follow this up. And and as far as I'm aware, there's only ever been like one of these books done about each club. Um, but I think there's enough interesting games and players to talk to that they could you know there's a potential for a second one of these uh, at some point and i'd love to do that so we'll just see what the future holds but yeah if you get yeah i hope people I hope people pick it up and enjoy it as much as i enjoyed uh, writing it give us the I'm title sure again jake on the list i'm yeah. sure it'll be on the list of everybody's uh, of everybody's christmas cracker i think everybody will be wanting to open that on christmas morning it's called newcastle united oh. match of my life it's by jake rusby and alex crook available in all gold boot shops and bad ones as well and on that internet thing but jake thanks very much for coming on this morning cheers thank you, jake. jake thanks for joining thanks us mate. it's always cheers, a pleasure jake, thank you cheers mate brilliant stuff well it would be brilliant thanks. stuff if he next his next right uh, written book is about the borough of course um, well, that's it. Yeah, he yeah, might yeah, join. Yeah, you never it, know. He's it. up here. Yeah. That'd mm. be a colour and in book for your fans. Hey. <laughs> hey. I liked it better when you were muted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cat was clearly coming on. No, no. I, 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 I was just having a bit of a coffin fit and I forgot to take myself off mute, lads. There you go. Technical issues. You've got a coffin. Technical issues. No, no. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to fit in a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent Things aren't that bad yet. yet. No, no, never. Would be a good we'll see after the Millwall game. Some, uh, <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah, true that, true that. Let's get straight into that then, shall we? we uh, I've got 10 minutes till 8 a.m. here before the morning news. Let's talk about a t- t- an interesting game for me, watching Millwall versus Sunderland. Sunderland coming off an interesting loss midweek in a game that probably shocked most of us here in the Northeast, all predicting Sunderland to get an easy win going down 2-1 to, uh, to Huddersfield uh, midweek. Uh, Ted, we'll start with you, the resident Mackham. Obviously, going down to Millwall is never an easy day out. Are you expecting to see any changes from Mogger? Did his presser give anything away? Are you expecting a, uh, I guess, a, a return performance here? Or are, you, are, are, the, are the nerves still quaking in the boots? I wouldn't say quaking in the boots. I mean, I mean, nobody likes going to Millwall. Nobody likes Millwall, I, I guess. You know, they, they even sing about it themselves. Um, mm-hmm. It's it is one of those where you kind of you treat it with a little bit of trepidation. I was having a look at the odds. Sunderland are still actually quite fancied to take the result. Um, the win probability forty percent against Millwall's thirty two percent. So we're slight favourites for the game, even after that absolutely dreadful performance on Wednesday night as well. Um, I think there will be changes, mate. Um, Mogger's kind of as much as alluded to the fact that Hemier needs a chance up front. Um, and I think against Millwall, you need somebody who's big and physical. You need somebody who can bully back uh, and, and you know not get intimidated by their central defenders. Millwall's got a long history of, of putting absolute ogres at the back, you know, and trying to trying to intimidate teams. So yeah, we need to get it stuck into them a little bit like that. He hasn't mentioned it, but I I have a sneaky suspicion he might rest Job. Um, he was just looking a little bit jaded in that game on on Wednesday night. Um, he, he, he sort of, I mean, he's, he's got lovely feet, he's got lovely control, a very nice technical player, but there was a couple of times he was sort of, you know, turning with the ball, looking for a pass, and I just thought, yeah, he just looks like he doesn't know what his options are, he looked a little bit sort of, um, a little bit dazed, so maybe a little rest for him, maybe Aushish, probably Equa back in the side as well, another physical presence that you, that you need on these away trips. Um I, I, I honestly don't know about this one, I, I, I think we've just got to avoid defeat, um, and, and, and turn it around. It's one of those where 
Sunderland fans will look at it and kind of go, yeah, Millwall away, don't fancy that much. If we'll come away from a draw, we'll move on to the next game. And and, and that's probably the, the attitude that I carry. Mowbray, on the other hand, I think is... What I love and both dislike about Tony Mowbray's presses is he gives nout away in terms of how um, how agitated he is about it, how angry he is about Wednesday, or how he wants to put it right on, on Saturday. He's chose his words carefully. Um, I think under the surface, I, th- I think they'll have been far from happy with what he saw on Wednesday from, from certain players. Um, I think he will be absolutely wrapping the lads up to, to go and put this right. So the travelling fans, I think, will see a, a completely different performance from the lads from what they saw on, on Wednesday. And we need to because, you know, we've slipped down to 11th now, right? And, and you know yourself, if you guys you know, don't pick up three points, mm. all of a sudden it turns into, oh, my God, we're staring the bottom half in the face. Beneath mm. us, you've got the likes of Bristol City, Watford, Norwich City, Coventry, last season's playoff finalists. They were all teams who were capable of being up there and kind of challenging for those playoff spots with us. So it's very tight. Um, Yeah, I think it'll be not a game for the purists to watch. Absolutely not. I think it'll be a bit of a clog it and uh, and, and hope for a one-niller. But yeah, um, I I just expect to see a little few few changes, a few tweaks. um, But all in all, we just want to see a much, much better performance than what we did against Huddersfield. Well, Millwall have got a brand new manager, obviously. They have got young Joe Edwards, and I say young, he's 37 years old, but to Mogga, I guess he's coming up against all these young managers these days. Yeah. Obviously, Mogga turning 60 just recently. Uh, but uh, Joe Edwards, obviously a assistant manager at Chelsea and Everton, also at the England under-21s uh, before taking the Millwall job as his head job. They're coming off a uh, a couple of losses to the top of the big teams in Coventry. Not Coventry are having a bit of a shocking year, so that's a bit of a weird one there, but obviously losing to Ipswich last time out, but they've just come off uh, a big 4-0 win, their biggest ever away win uh, since 2001 against Sheffield Wednesday. Not sure if that we're saying too much, and sorry to the Sheffield Wednesday fan, I know you're tuning in, but uh, we've got uh, a Millwall team that that can score against a Sunderland team that's, you know, I, I guess, looking for goals. Are you thinking there's going to be any sort of formation change, Ted, or anything like that that can try and ease the fears of up front for Sunderland? I, I don't think for an away game we'll see a change of formation. Um, I think we do need to be, maybe maybe throw up an extra option when we're playing at home. I, I wouldn't be against going 4-4-2 at home uh, and, and sticking two strikers up. You know, <laughs> I suppose you're doubling your chances of scoring from a striker, but um, no, I don't think there'll be any tactical change. Um, we were talking about this earlier this week that I would love to see us have a plan B. Um, and, and shift things around a little bit maybe positionally on the pitch um, maybe Job dropping a little bit deeper and Equa going forward um, you know he's got he's got a sweet left foot on him I'd love to see Equa try and get a few from distance um, we seem to be hell-bent on this idea of walking the ball into the net so I think we do need to take more chances and you know have a go from outside the box um, just looking up now though our form down there recently isn't actually all that bad uh, we're unbeaten in our last four league games against Millwall. 1-1, drawn three. Uh, Millwall have lost one in their last 11 home league games against Sunderland, though. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one to call, mate. Um, yeah, tactically, we've just got to do what we're doing. I think it's between Wednesday and a Saturday, you haven't got that time to, to address that and come up with new formations mm. and new ideas. Yeah. It's just got to be a better performance of what we what we are capable of doing. 
Well, we had Mogger's press conference uh, just yesterday as well. I do believe we've got a snippet of what Mogger had to say uh, to the journos uh, looking into the Millwall game. Yeah, he was. Um, uh, I think he was still um, stuck on the fact that they're, they're they're conceding goals from situations that mm. they shouldn't be. That's that 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 was his focus in yeah. isolation. Really, their goals are there again, and yet we we said that at Plymouth as well in isolation. You know, two shots on target, Plymouth, and two goals, and. Um, um, you know, we have to find a way, of course, and, and we'll try and get back on our horse and um, next few days try and get a team that can go to Millwall and see if we can um, get back to winning ways. Yeah, it's not a not a cheerful chappy at the moment, but you can understand no. why. No, he has been quite no, sick as well, so it's good to see that he's a little bit better by the by, by the sounds of it. Obviously, coming over a bad chest infection. Yeah, yeah, he did sound depressed, didn't he? Those... I mean, he sounded he did, really, yeah. really down. I was really, I was really shocked to see. I mean, I know he's been ill, but he he just sounded down. And I'm thinking, well, you're only a point behind Middlesbrough. You know that league is so tight. It's not. I'd not be the miserable with that, though. But I did watch. I, I mean, I saw the I saw the <laughs> goals the fly. I saw the goals fly in, and I'm thinking, yeah, I can understand it. It's it's disappointing. Set conceding goals from set pieces again. You're, you're struggling at the back, um, and it just sounds. It sounds like one of those awkward situations where everybody uh, who's a Sunderland fan can see what's going wrong, but the manager can't. Yeah. And you're talking about, you know, the other day you're talking about playing, you know, certain players in certain positions. And I'm thinking, yeah, we've been there. I remember these conversations as a Newcastle fan. Why isn't he playing that person? Why is he not getting a game? And the problem is we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know who's putting it in in training. You've got to have faith in the manager. The manager sees what the, those players are doing day in, day out. Um, I think, though, I mean, it was it, what concerned me a little bit was. I mean, I know he's been he's been ill, so clearly he doesn't want to be, you know, going into the, the you know, into the environment with the players, and then suddenly they, they have an epidemic in the in the club. But it, I, I, there was one little bit in the press conference that I saw where he talked about, "I like to go into the dressing room and try and you know find out what the atmosphere is like in there." Um, and see and, and see whether people are up for it, and you know he said ultimately he said you know it's not enough it's not enough just being up for it in the dressing room you've got to take that out onto the pitch and I thought that sounds like he's struggling to motivate these players, um, yeah. and that's a worry when you hear a manager say that because uh, that was very unmogger like he gave away a little bit about what's going on in the dressing room and clearly those players. Um, and again, this is his words. You know, you can't just turn up and and expect you know to be handed the three points in this league. You know, so it was a it was a bit of a dig at his own players. He's clearly not happy with one or two individuals, but he he groups them all together and rightly so. But he's not happy, is he? He's not happy, and it's um, maybe that was his ten hog moment. Maybe that was him having a having a pop at a few players, and and maybe maybe he'll get a response. You know, over the course of the next couple of games, but. This is no time to be falling out with people because the only thing no. that happens then is that the dressing room, the dressing room reacts in one way. The down tools and the manager gets his P forty five, and that, that you know that's that's the fear. And Christmas, Christmas is Christmas is here for you know December's here. Christmas is on its way, but with Christmas comes lots of fixtures, um, and you just got to hope you know Muggle will be hoping he doesn't get some unwanted presence in these fixtures, you know. Well, I mean, I still think he's absolutely the right man for the job. Um, but I mean, there's there's a few murmurings that 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 Mogger hasn't been the same since you know at the end of last season, when there was that little rumour floating around that that the ownership were looking to change the manager. 
despite his, you know, despite the success of, of yeah. getting into the playoffs, which was which was far overachieving for what we should have done um, for our first season back in the championship. But you know, it's, it, football is, is as Greavesy once said is a funny old game. You pick up a win on Saturday, you pick up another win in midweek, and all of a sudden everyone's happy and and Mogger's eating his revels again. Yeah, absolutely love it. It is 8 a.m. here on the Northeast Brecky Show. We have got some news to get into, and we'll come back with the look ahead at Borough. We've also got to talk Newcastle Man United with a special guest coming later in the show. And don't let's not forget, of course, we lost Shane McGowan uh, yesterday. So we, did, we normally yes. play a Christmas song after the news. We'll do exactly that, no. but we'll play an special absolute tribute. Uh, an absolute belt as a special tribute. That's all coming up on the Northeast Footy Breakfast. I think it's going to be Christmas number one again. Well, I think it's going to be Christmas number one this ah, year. I should say. It was never Christmas number that's one. That's why I changed. That's why I changed oh. what I said, mate. That's why I corrected myself. Do you myself. know? Oh. Do you know what song kept it away from being Christmas number one? Oh, something naff like Mr. Blobby. No. Nope. <laughs> All right, Kerry. It was. It was actually a good song. No, it wasn't a Christmas song. Pet Shop Boys, always on my mind. Yep. Yep. Oh, there you go. Wow. There you Every go. Every day is a of knowledge, Mr. Wraith. <laughs> Yeah, usually, usually facts which people don't want to know. Not like what the facts, <laughs> which we destroyed yesterday. Good overcame evil. Hey, it was apparently in the headlines one, in, the, still in the lead. It was headlines in the Middlesbrough Gazette last night. <laughs> <laughs> Borough boys Absolutely do what it. the fact. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet news day on Teesside, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it. Let's get into some new club headlines. It's just after eight AM here. Then we'll talk Middlesbrough. Uh, v obviously leads in that Yorkshire derby, uh, and then we've got a special interview uh, with someone from Parliament. Dave, Parliament. Order, 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 order. And aren't we getting some slugging over it? But I will repeat what I said this morning. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I don't give a damn. Smoggies and proud <laughs> Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. It's a massive weekend coming off a great performance midweek against Preston, getting that 4-0 victory. Middlesbrough will now travel to Leeds on Saturday in a mini derby, a.k.a. the Yorkshire derby. The newly relegated Leeds will give Michael Carrick a nice warm welcome, which is obviously tongue-in-cheek given his playing days and now gaffer of the Borough. But Carrick says the Ellen Road trip is just business as usual, and although you respect it, you trust the lads that have all played in big games before and can deal with it very well. Borough will be sweating on the late fitness tests of Dale Fry and Hayden Hackney, with Carrick unsure whether either of them will be fit in time for the trip. He said he will leave it as late as possible, though, prior to the game to see if he can get either one of them fit. With Greenwood unavailable, obviously due to the nature of his loan deal, Borough could now be without nine first-team players for the trip to Ellen Road. But Carrick knows and trusts whoever does play will be up for the challenge and just a gate game for us to go in, have some fun and try and get the win. And on the injury front, Carrick said, sadly, it's just one of those things when someone gets injured. He said, as a club, of course, they've been looking into it further, seeing if there's anything the club can do differently or has there been any role the club has played. But unfortunately, it's just part of football, he says. These days, obviously, with the nature of training, international trips and the length of games, he said, that's why you have a squad to make up for it. 
He also touched on the recovery of Lewis O'Brien, and Lewis O'Brien, obviously a Nottingham Forest loanee, will be staying at the club for the duration of his rehab, which he says is a test to the character that is Lewis O'Brien. Good on you, Lewis, for sticking around. And obviously, Burroughs Academy seeing Law McCabe make his debut at 17 years of age uh, against Preston. It was absolutely amazing, said character, see a young 17-year-old. And he said, it's what Burroughs are all about. When we have these injuries, you tend to see a young player get their chance, just like Hayden Hackney did last season, and look where he is now. So can Law McKay play a big part in what Burroughs will be having on for the rest of the season? We hope so. Bring on Leeds, Burroughs. We're back, baby. Up the Burroughs. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Newcastle are back in Premier League action tomorrow when they host Manchester United in an 8 o'clock kickoff at St James's Park. The game is live on TNT Sports and it'll be an explosive game, I'm sure. Eddie Howside are bidding for a sixth successive home win in the Premier League, which would match the sequence that they had in 2022. Before that, you've got to go back to 2004 for another half dozen wins at St James's Park off the belt. Team injury news, well, it's still pretty much the same. Elliot Anderson, Harvey Barnes, Sven Botman, Dan Burns, Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy, Matt Target and Callum Wilson and Joe Willock now all missing out. Sandro Tonali, of course, is suspended until August next year. Good news is that Emil Kraft and Matt Ritchie are both available after being ineligible to face PSG in the Champions League after being omitted from the Champions League squad. Kieran Trippier and Jamal Lascelles are walking a disciplinary tightrope and are both one booking away from an automatic one-game ban, which will uh, be very, very um, miserable for Newcastle fans if one of those ends up missing out after the form they've been in. As for Manchester United, well, Marcus Rashford will be available for selection after serving a one-game European ban in midweek, but Mason Mount, Christian Eriksen and Casemiro are all unavailable too. Ahead of their visit to Tyneside, Eric Ten Hag's side drew 3-3 with Galatasaray in Turkey on Wednesday night in the Champions League. They were 2-0 up, uh, but Anana had a bit of a nightmare and uh, lots of Manchester United forums and podcasts point to the fact that he may well miss out tomorrow. We will wait and see what Ten Hag's got to say later today. Away from home in the Premier League this season, Manchester United lost their opening two away games against Spurs and Arsenal respectively, but have since won four times uh, on the road. 1-0 at Burnley, 2-1 at Sheffield United, 1-0 at Fulham and 3-0 at Everton. They've lost two games away from home, that'll be three tomorrow, and they've not drawn on the road as yet. Uh, interesting point as well that their defence, which is often criticised with Harry Maguire in it, hasn't conceded a Premier League goal in the last 280 minutes of play. Will that play its part tomorrow? We will wait and see. But that's in Newcastle United News on Friday the 1st of December. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Morning Sunderland fans, happy Friday, happy first of the month. Tony Mowbray is looking for a response when Sunderland travelled to Millwall in the Skybet Championship on Saturday. The lads slipped to a narrow defeat to Huddersfield on Wednesday, but the gaffer believes this weekend's trip to the Den provides an opportunity to get back on track. In this division there's always a game around the corner to put things right, Mowbray said. It's a difficult place to go, but we'll prepare the team for what will hopefully be a positive performance and the result to match. We weren't good enough on Wednesday, we knew what to expect, but we lacked the creativity and we have to take that on the chin. The supporters turn up in great numbers week in week out and that's why it's disappointing when we put in a performance that's under par. All our focus is now on Millwall and getting back to winning ways. Meanwhile on the south coast, 
Former Sunderland striker Ross Stewart has suffered another injury setback and missed Southampton's 1-0 win over Bristol City on Wednesday. The 27-year-old joined from the Saints from Sunderland in the summer but was still recovering from an Achilles injury sustained playing for the Black Cats in January. Stewart has made two appearances off the bench for Southampton against West Brom and Huddersfield this month and picked up another issue in the game against the Terriers at the weekend. Saints manager Russell Martin said in a statement, It doesn't look overly positive at this minute in time. It's nowhere near to the extent of the injury he's had, but he's picked up something else which is sometimes part and parcel of the recovery from a long injury and the process of that. And he's looked in such good shape before that. Tony Mowbray has suggested that an underperforming Sunderland star could return to the starting lineup soon. Speaking after the defeat of Huddersfield Town, the Black Cats boss admitted that Lewis Hemier needs an opportunity. Hemier joined Sunderland from Benfica in the summer, having made a total of 31 appearances across the B team and under 19s, scoring 11 goals. The striker featured heavily in Sunderland's pre-season campaign and looked very impressive, though it was still expected to be slowly eased into the first team if the Black Cats were out to add an experienced forward to their ranks. And that is your Friday headlines for Sunderland. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the road, the cat and the town. Well, let's talk about Middlesbrough v Leeds, that Yorkshire derby. We've got to talk about a little bit of the real football. Forget these other two teams because Middlesbrough's the only one that counts. Isn't that right, listeners? Make sure you watch him and back me up there because I'm sure I'm going to get stick for that. But Middlesbrough will travel down to Ellen Road uh, with a few injuries still looking for the late fitness test, as I said in the news headlines, of Hayden Hackney and Dale Fry. Carrick said in his presser yesterday he'll be leaving them to as late as he can to see if either of them will become fit. Obviously, Barrow will be missing Sam Greenwell because he's on loan from Leeds, so he won't be able to uh, take on his actual parent club. Uh, so Middlesbrough might be sort of few players once again, but we saw midweek at Preston that it doesn't really matter. Middlesbrough were able to come through with flying colours against Preston, who were in sixth, uh, and actually come away with a 4-0 win. Now, obviously, our away days are a bit different to our home days. Our away form is absolutely not one to talk about compared to us at the Riverside. So it's interesting to see what a short trip down to Ellen Road could do for the bar. Middlesbrough sitting in 10th. Leeds currently in 3rd. Leeds in red-hot form as well with 6 on the bounce. Uh, and Middlesbrough obviously only one on the bounce since uh, losing to Bristol on the weekend, but picking up that big win midweek to Preston. Leeds are going to be a tough test for the bar, uh, especially with the defense. They've got Joe, uh, Joe Perot, uh, who's the ex-Swansea man, uh, who is now leading the line for Leeds. Middlesbrough were targeting him as a striker at one point, but turned away and Leeds have now snapped him up and he is a big, strong, bulky striker. Uh, and if we're lacking some defensive capabilities, then he might prove the bit of the difference. But Middlesbrough saw a really good performance midweek from uh, Vandenberg, uh, which I thought was very, very good for us. I'm very excited for this one. Always very excited when we go take on dirty leads uh, down at Ellen Road. It's going to be a tough test. Carrie spoke yesterday in his press conference about the atmosphere and how he might get such a warm welcome uh, going down to the ground, tongue in cheek. Let's hear from Michael and what he had to say uh, to the Borough faithful about the trip to Ellen Road. Of course, you respected that the game it is in the situation it is. Um, I'm sure I'll get a nice warm welcome when I go there as well. Um, but that's you know that's great. That's football. Like you want that. You want that emotion, that that passion, and that feeling. And, and some games bring different kind of atmospheres. And um, well, the players have played in some big games certainly since I've been here in different challenging atmospheres and dealt with it very well. So I, I don't worry about that side of things at all. 
I don't like going to Leeds, I've got to be honest. Mm, are you making the trip, Dave? No, I'm not on this one. Got no, to get the house sorted no. out ahead of the daughter's birthday party, all that sort of family yep. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will be, I will tomorrow, be across it. Sorry? My daughter's birthday tomorrow. Oh, well, happy birthday. Turns six tomorrow. Excellent. Yeah, happy birthday to my little girl. She turns six tomorrow. We've got a birthday party for her tomorrow. So it should be, there you go, a day of, a weekend of birthdays coming up. But yes, back to Carrick. He obviously remains calm as always, doesn't he? He never stresses. Uh, he always keeps us uh, at, at arm's length in terms of uh, being, you know, sort of up and a beat for it. He, he said that it's a game that they're just going to look to win. Obviously, it's going to be a tough test. Um, but he said, he will quickly reminded us as well that it wasn't one that's going to break or make our season. Uh, sounding like Steve Wraith here is Michael Carrick saying, obviously, it's it's a, not a sprint, it's a marathon. Uh, did he name he check actually, him? Did he say when I'm listening he, to he Steve on, on the Northeast East breakfast? Oh, okay, good, good, uh, good. Yeah, he good. said, he just, he said, obviously, it's not going to make or break our season. And he said, obviously, it's a team in third. You know, the boys will be up for it knowing that it's a newly relegated team, but Leeds are obviously going to be a tough test for us. I think it's going to be a tough ask. Let's get the thoughts of uh, Steve first, obviously, going down to Leeds. Uh, you'd be a big Leeds fan from back in the day there, Steve. Uh, <laughs> tough test for Middlesbrough, newly relegated team. Uh, a lot of Premier League talent uh, in their squad still. Uh, how do you think the Borough are going to go? I've got, I've got to be honest, I enjoy going to Leeds. And, and it's always a good day out. It's it's your, one of your shortest away trips when, when you play them. And the atmosphere is great. Um, they, I mean, they're stuck in a time warp down there. They really are stuck in a time warp. They're, they're, a bit like Everton. They're still playing the songs that they used to play in the 1970s. Uh, mm. They're chasing after, you know, days gone by. And it always makes me laugh. But but they get behind it. You know, they've got this. The, and the way the away fans are placed right next to them on that lower level um it's it, it is the best atmosphere for me one of the best atmospheres in a game so you know i i, I thoroughly enjoyed it i mean the last time we were there we we won that game in the eddie howe great escape season with um you know that that was a turning point in our season wasn't that the, when the, the, the um the nutcase fan ran, ran along the touchline yeah, yeah that's the same game yep. yeah, yeah. That, that was it that, that was that was really like the turning point in Newcastle staying up, but it's 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 basically a, a ground as well though where you know you know for me it's just got that bit of character left. I mean, there was lots of complaints when we went down there. Of course, there was a there was a, a big crush outside the away end, and you know people were handing tickets back over and and trying to get in. It was it was complete chaos. So you know I'm pleased to say that they've since sorted those kind of issues out down there. But I just don't think they I, I expected such a mass surge of Newcastle fans coming. At a particular time and it was it was a bit airy but other than that the ground I, I, I just love it I love everything about it it's a tough game at Borough um, you know Borough really though are as I've said like Sunderland have got to pick themselves up in December and make that run if you're going to make a run and put yourself in contention you've got to do it in Christmas um, we can assess things in January and, and look at where we are uh, but it is so tight in that in that division Um Leeds, of course, like all teams that get relegated from the Premier League, you know, lost a couple of key players, but they have managed to keep a hold of a few. Um, and and, and uh, this really is a tough game. It, it it's a tough game, but Borough, I'm not sure that I'm not sure Borough are going to come out of this game with anything. If I'm perfectly honest, I think um, I think it's I wouldn't even say it's a proverbial you know proverbial banana skin. I just think it's a it's a game it's a game which they're going to struggle with. Uh, I think Leeds have uh, Leeds have got their eyes on the prize. They're, they're sitting comfortably in third place. Um, you know they will be they'll be looking at Ipswich and Leicester and thinking, well, we can catch them. 
Um, and it, it's it's starting to take it's starting to take a little for, a formation that top four now, isn't it? Leeds, Southampton, and Leicester. Yeah, it is. Um, three of the top four who have got that money from you know from the parachute payments from coming down, who managed to keep a hold of some pretty key players. And you're thinking oh, could be a, could be a quick return for those three teams. Um, but yeah, look, it's it, it it's a, it's a tough one for you guys. I'm I'll make a prediction as we usually do towards the end of the show, but I, yep. I don't think it's going to be a happy weekend right for for Borough. Ted, uh, lift lift my spirits, fellow championship friend, uh, and remember how nice I was to you after that Huddersfield game. Uh, Leeds United, is there any chance Borough can get anything from this game? Look, I mean, history dictates, you know, slim chance, to be honest. I mean, you, you haven't won there in the last seven away league games. Uh, your last win there was, was 12 years ago. It was August 2011, your last won there with a 1-0 win. So history dictates that, no, um, Elland Road is not a, a happy hunting ground. It's, it is a tough place to go, Steve said. It's, it's one of those intimidating old-school stadiums. It's noisy, it's raucous. Leeds fans, however deluded we think they are, that you know that they're sort of going to relive past glories and all that, they are loud and they do get behind the side in, in a big way. So, you know, bearing in mind a lot of Borough's side are, are young lads, it's how they react to this um, that can kind of be, you know, maybe a little bit caught in the headlights with the occasion because it is an occasion, you know, it's, it's going to Leeds and it's... It's kind of one of the perks of being in the championship. You get to go to these great grounds um, and, and play in front of a, another big crowd, you know, although admittedly not as big as Sunderland's crowd, but there you go. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd slip that one in. Um, that's what she said. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it, I honestly think for all that, and I've said like sort of history dictates and blah, 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 blah. Um, I fancy us to get a draw out of this. I really yes! do. I, 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 I honestly think you might just come away with something. I've, I thought against Leicester, um, I thought you'd come unstuck. I thought against Preston, you would struggle because of the physicality and things like that. And what Michael Carrick seems to be able to do is is drag results out of almost impossible situations. Um, so I wouldn't be massively surprised if you did come away from something with this, right? Um, and again, this is horrible, you know, horrible for me to even say those words, but... Yeah, um, Middlesbrough just seem to be able to eke out these results when, when it's least expected. So there's hope for you for all the, the form excellent. doesn't dictate so. Absolutely excellent. Ted there thinking Middlesbrough for an 8-0 win. Can't believe it. From a Mackham himself for as well. Sensible Dave, comments know, coming right? from a Mackham for once. Incredible. I know. Wow. Incredible. Dave, what are you <laughs> thinking? Uh, obviously a tough trip for the Borough, uh, but coming off that midweek performance that shocked all of us. Uh, are you thinking, Barra, have got any sort of chance this weekend? Do you know, it's been a long time since I've been confident that Borough's got a great chance when they go to Elland Road. It's just a horrible, horrible place to go. Steve's right. Atmosphere is fantastic. The away fans are right next to the nutters uh, in the Leeds end. Um, so that makes for, a, you know, a, a good bit of banter throughout the game. But it's the history of going to Elland Road I hate because they always get up for these games um, they do back the team really, really well. And I think that fan running along the touchline and putting his hands on Eddie Howe uh, last time Newcastle were down there sums up uh, Leeds United supporters. That's how daft they are. Um, and it's just not it's just not a place we get success from. And 
you know, I want to do I want to do the old gypsy's curse here. I, I really want to say we're not going to come back with anything, just in the hope that we will. But you just never know. I, mean, I was talking to Andy Campbell on his show on the Red last night, you know, and he's saying you just don't know. A player could get sent off. A key player could get injured and get taken off. Anything could happen. You know, the ball could hit the referee on the head and go in the top corner. Mind you, it wouldn't stand. Um, but um, you just don't know. But I am, you know, I am clutching at straws to think we could come away with, with a victory. Uh, could we come away with a draw? That's what I'd be hoping. I'd hoping we can hold out, we can nick a goal. You know, Lady Luck will shine on us. Uh, Senny Diang will have a, a master class between the sticks uh, and we come back with a point where it's going to be as tough a game. I think it's going to be a tougher game going there than going to Leicester. Wow, there you go. So, well, all the lads predicting a tough weekend for the Borough. I'm actually thinking that the Borough will be up for us. Yeah, he's going to go for a 3-0 win, isn't he? Leeds game. Uh, I'm not going to predict uh. it, all right, just yet. All right, I'm going to leave everyone in suspense. Uh, but, you know, just after that midweek performance, after a makeshift squad uh, and coming away from, you know, with from Preston, who were in sixth position with a 4-0 win, uh, I think we've got to get a little bit more Carrick. Uh, Carrick, I said Carrick. A little more credit to Carrick uh, and uh, and the squad because I just, yeah, I'm, I'm ever the optimist, ever the optimist from here, uh, from this little Australian at Smoggy because I uh, just think the borough, we're just a little bit special, a bit more special than Ted's Mackums and whatever he has to say these days, I tell you. <laughs> Uh, but let's move on. We've got a special interview. Uh, we've been talking about order in the court. Dave, our man behind the sticks, the one who keeps us all in check, or tries to, I should say, uh, has had a special uh, Now then, fellas, uh, hold your invitation. horses. Hold your horses. Let's rein them in a bit because there's been a fantastic announcement in the last 24 hours uh, about Teesside. So let's, let's, let's hold normal breakfast show service. We'll come back to that in a second because I'm pleased to say, look, We've had almost royalty on this on on this breakfast show, the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show, and I'm pleased to say the <laughs> the you. Mayor of Tees Valley, Ben Houchen, joins us this morning. Good morning, Ben. Morning, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you've saved morning, the Transporter Bridge. Fantastic announcement. I mean, why why have you done it? Well, somebody needed to save it. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Transporter Bridge is owned by Stockton and Middlesbrough Council, and, and everybody knows, right? It's been closed for years. There are lots of rumours flying around about. Uh, the state of repair that it's in, is it sinking, is there subsidence? And they've been kicking the can down the road for, for far too long. So just recently, people might have heard that the government cancelled HS2 between Birmingham mm. and Manchester. Mm. But what they might not have heard is that as a result of that, the government gave us a billion pounds of the money that would have gone to Manchester. They've given it to us in Teesside. So that's meant that I've been able to look at various projects across the region and get involved where previously I wasn't able to get involved. So we've made the announcement that we're going to use a very tiny fraction of that £1 billion to save the transporter bridge, not just make it safe, but bring it back into full use, which um, I think is going to be welcomed by lots of people across the region. What needs doing mm. to it? A lot needs doing to it. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, we're still in the middle of that. So we've commissioned surveys, we've got people on site, we've got engineers, we've got much more intelligent people than me actually looking at what physically needs to be done. Now, we think we've got an idea, mm. but obviously you can't start works without knowing exactly what needs to be done. So th th what I can say is there's a lot of work where maybe five or six years ago it would have cost... I don't know, eight, nine, ten million pounds mm. to, to fix because they've kicked the can down the road for so long, because they've not done anything, you know, there is an expectation it's probably going to cost somewhere between 20 and 30 million pounds. Wow. So it's not cheap. Yeah. 
Uh, but Jeez. with such an iconic bridge, not just for Teesside, but for the world. Um, it's a huge part of our history. It's a good actual transport connection from the north and the south of the river. It felt to me with this windfall that we'd been given by government, it was a good use of money to be able to save it, bring it back into use, because actually one of the alternatives could have been to, to knock it down, and that would have been an absolute travesty. Is it? it I, I don't know the answer to this question, hence why I'm asking a man who might know. Is it a listed structure? Is it is it protected in any way? Yes, I believe that it is. Yeah. Uh, it is a listed structure, so that also comes with additional complexities and, as ever, more cost. Um, but, yeah, it is. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the problem with anything. If it's listed, but, for example, it's owned by the councils and they really can't afford to, to do anything with it, there is always, always an ability to knock down a listed structure. Wow. So people think that a listed building means that it's protected forever. Yeah. It, it gives it extra protection, but it doesn't It doesn't secure it from, for safety forever. So we had to do something about it. It was clear the councils weren't interested in doing anything. And to be fair to them, um, they won't have the money to be able to do it because they've left it for so long. But just pleased to be able to deliver this project. It's, the money's going to get signed off in January and then in the first half of next year we'll see boots on the ground and work actually starting. Now I've seen some social media posts already questioning, wouldn't this money be better spent elsewhere like housing and stuff? Not that easy, is it? It's earmarked. Yeah, so the, the billion pounds that we got from government after HS2 was cancelled was for transport. So they've in effect given it from one transport project from Birmingham to Manchester and they've said to the north of England, we're going to share this money out across the north of England and Teesside, you're getting a billion pounds, but you have to spend it on transport. So absolutely there are other projects. There's all sorts of road projects that we need to get on with. There's other rail projects, there's buses. I've even heard people talk about, you know, do we build a, a tease tunnel between Redcar and Hartlepool? All of these things potentially are on the table, but the money that we spend uh, does have to be spent on transport projects. Could that happen? Could we see yeah. a tease tunnel? Well, I think in the future we will do. Uh, whether we see it in the near future is a, is a separate thing. Um, hugely expensive. Yeah. You can't build a bridge over the tees. Uh, not where you would want to put it because it would massively restrict the size of the ships you can get into the river. If you did that, that would obviously have a huge impact on jobs and investment in the region, cost thousands of jobs. It would basically um, it would basically shut down the river because if you can't get the big ships in, you can't you know create the business, you can't employ the people. So the only real, I think, logical option is a is a tunnel. Again, a tunnel would take 10, probably 10 plus years by the time it was complete. But there are lots of other projects that will have a more immediate impact on local people that we can get on with sooner that we can use this billion pounds for. Cracking. Two, two quick questions ah. and, and then I'll let you go. One, Borough going to Leeds at the weekend. Can, can they pull something back? Come from, on. What is a, it's a, it's a torrid ground for us normally, Ellen Road. What do you reckon, Ben? I think we can. I mean, Leeds are. I mean, Leeds are doing reasonably well. But you know, we went. Uh, you know, obviously Leicester came to our place, and we. I think that was our best performance of the season. Mm. So we can turn over these teams. I know it's been a struggle. We've lost a lot of players. You know, Carrick just seems to have a little bit something where he, I think he's getting reasonably good players to play well above their their expectations. So you know, always a Borough exactly. fan, always the optimist. It would be nice to go to Leeds and do one. Um, you know, I think there's a chance, but, you know, it's a difficult league, right? It's Tough a really one. difficult league. There are a lot of good yeah, teams. Absolutely. And I think if we can get into the playoffs this year, then I think that would be a good result from where we started. Yeah, you do Leicester one week, and then the next match you turn around and lose to Bristol City. But there you go, that's the championship for it's you. The, the, uh, the beauty of being a Borough <laughs> fan as well. Just to take this conversation back towards the levels that we're used to between 7 and 9 on a morning, uh, right across the northeast. Uh, our mad Aussie fan, Rai, Borough fan, huge hey. Borough fan that he is. We had to muslim and sit him in the corner because he would just take over this conversation. Um, he <laughs> wants to know if, as, as Mayor of Tees Valley, can you make him Mr Middlesbrough? Because he's looking for a reason to fly back over to see the borough play. Please. 
from Canberra. Could I please, him, Mr. Mills, yeah, that's his. That's his question. He said, "If you've got Ben Houghton on the phone, ask him. Can you make me Mr. Middlesbrough?" <laughs> I think Come unfortunately on. there's only one Mr. Middlesbrough and his name's Steve Gibson so someone takes a title <laughs> off him <laughs> Fantastic Ben really appreciate your time this morning All thank you cheers mm, So there you go right Ridiculous No, no Mr. Middlesbrough Ridiculous. I'm afraid Steve Gibson uh, has that well. nailed down locked in final All answer right. Okay, Absolutely well, my plan being is that Love we're going to spend some of that money. We're going to tunnel to Australia from Middlesbrough. He's talking about tunnels. Uh, no, uh, that's all right. We're going to tunnel is, is from Middlesbrough to Australia. <laughs> some essential travel <laughs> infrastructure is needed. Yeah, tunnel to exactly. get me to the Riverside. Exactly. Yeah, 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 tunnel yeah. from my house to Middlesbrough to the Riverside Stadium, please. Uh, I think that's money well spent. But good, look, good news. Good news that yeah. there's a plan for the transport it bridge. Um, you know, it's been an absolute travesty. Yes, it's like Steve. It's like you know, it's like cracks appearing in the in the Tyne Bridge, and the councils can't afford to, to to fix it, so they just shut the bridge down and you don't use it. You know what I mean? It's it's the equivalent. Yeah. Is this the Infinity Bridge that we're talking about, or is it? The, no, this is the transporter bridge. Is it, the the, oh, the, 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 the one you can okay, see okay. from the riverside, mate. I mean, it's uh, yeah, gotcha, it's gotcha, iconic. Yeah, yeah, There's only yeah. three of them in the world, and and yeah. only one left and working now. And that's not ours. Looked after. Yeah, indeed. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but there you go. Anyway, no, good, good on news. him. I think good it's good. News. He's got the money to yeah, spend on transport. Though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's good that you know someone's actually you know instead of sitting around and twiddling their thumbs, he pulls it out and actually gets something done. He's a Borough fan. That's why we had to ask him about the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's great that you know the each of the the three areas kind of they are moving forward and they're progressing and every time I go back back to Sunderland and, and visit I see something new and, and all places mm. are developing but you've got to look after your heritage that that's that's what yeah. makes us Agreed. special in the northeast yeah. is our heritage so it's it's great I think it's a fantastic move that that's been saved it's it's a site I've passed as you know I used to play football down there every yeah. Sunday and it was part of my journey and something to, something to marvel at you know you never got sick of looking at it so uh, fair play, fair play for, for saving that. It's, it's it's great that we look after our landmarks like that. I am unbelievably passionate about my town. You know, I, look, I'm yeah. proud. I'm yeah. proud of the northeast, but I'm I'm unbelievably passionate about Middlesbrough, which is my <laughs> town. About Teesside, which is my my area. Uh, and I think it's an absolute. It, it was an absolute travesty to see the Transborder Bridge, which is so iconic. Mm. And I know it was built by William Arrells and Co, who are a Glasgow company, but it became it became an iconic almost tribute to the engineering and an in, in, in industry that was Teesside, that, that Teesside was formed on. Um, and, and to see it just sitting there with a, with a repair bill far longer than councils could reel in, uh, I think was a travesty. To let it get into the state, it was uh, an absolute travesty. And I don't mm. care. Uh, and we've we've taken some flack for inviting Ben on uh, on the show this morning, and, and we've we've taken flack on social media. But by all the uh, politicking uh, luddites that just want one colour or one story or whatever, or they've got points to prove against individuals they don't like. Look, I don't care. I don't care what colour rosette somebody's wearing. Yeah. If they're not wearing a rosette, that's equally as good. If people have got good ideas for the region for the towns. Let's hear them. Let's hear the good news. I don't care where they come from. Absolutely. What their political leaning is. Politics has destroyed my my town. Politics has destroyed my region, Teesside, for far too long. And I think it's time people come together and just did, did what's right for the town, for the area and for the people. End of soapbox. I'll say no more. Love it. Come well together. Well Jeez, that's my... Oh, wow, break that one out. That was really good. That was in oh, tune. How wise have you not to attempt a tune right? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd be bloody impressive if you can get a tune out of the words transport a bridge, mayor and politics. <laughs> Leave it with me. I, I know a good trumpet player. Leave it with me. All right. Don't you worry about that. All right. Do you? <laughs> he's actually giving you credit, Ted. He's usually blue on his own. I thought, I, was like, I thought, oh, what's coming after this? Come on. Yeah, there's well, going to be a dark side to it. I, th- I think it was called a compliment, Ted. I know you're not used to seeing them, but I think it was called a compliment. No, absolutely not. Especially not on here. That's why it threw you. That's why it threw you. Hey, look, we're late. Sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, thanks for Ben Houcher for coming on and having a chat with us this morning. Uh, We've got to get into the sports headlines, fellas. We've also got yeah. to talk Manchester United. What? We do. What's going on? We do. Well, he's... Out of the North East Because, now. well, he's back. Oh. He's back, isn't he? Coming to defend his corner. It's our Geordie Man United fan. I love his accent. I, lo- I love the idea of a Man United fan being a stronger, st- having a stronger Geordie accent than you, Steve. It yeah, is yes. very strong. I like it. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, I have to quietly listen. We will, it, that's really good. We will do all of that across the North East on the North East Footy Breaks Show. We'll do it next. <laughs> From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Platoon and the Cat. Incredible scenes there, lads. I'm not sure if you have seen it of the uh, conflict that we had outside of outside the Villa Park, Park last night. Unbelievable. Uh, it was actually incredible. They arrested 39 people in that uh, and there was numerous officers injured. Uh, and a statement on the club's website, which was interesting for me as well, was Villa confirming that Legia Warsaw fans were allowed into the stadium and that some police officers had been injured. But uh, this was a statement from Aston Villa saying, in spite of numerous requests... A cooperation from Legia Warsaw uh, concerning their travelling supporters, especially in the last two days, there was zero assistance on the serious safety matter of away fans at Telling Villa Park was forthcoming from the visiting club. The club has repeatedly, including this morning, raised concerns in conjunction with UEFA and all relevant authorities to Legia that ticketless away supporters were attempting to attend Villa Park. Approximately an hour before kickoff, Legia fans engaged and planned in systematic violent acts against West Midlands Police uh, officers, a decision that was then made by West Midlands Police to exclude all Legia supporters. Aston Villa strongly condemns the behaviour of those visiting supporters and would like to thank the West Midlands Police for their professionalism in very difficult circumstances. Incredible scenes there. None uh, of them got into the ground, it. is that right? Because I, I thought you said that they no. said they did the club, but they didn't. None of the mm, fans the- got in. No, no, they confirmed no Legia War. Sorry, I must have missed the no. So Villa confirmed no Legia Warsaw yeah. fans were allowed into the stadium. Wow. So they were winning um, that one two one as well, uh, thanks to Diaby and Moreno uh, scoring a fifty eighth minute winner. They corralled the police, corralled them into the uh, the car park that's uh, opposite where the away fans enter. Uh, Villa Park. It's uh, it's just adjacent to the entrance for the away fans. You know, I've taken a few buses to Borough Games to Villa Park, and it's where the coaches parked. So um, yeah, when when the trouble broke out, I mean, they were throwing flares and all kinds of things at the police. Uh, it looks like a war zone when you see some of the pictures. Um, it does. It really does. And, uh, yeah. and 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 a lot of coppers were injured. Um, so the, yeah, they just took the decision to say, right, you're not getting in the game. Then we're going to keep you in this car park. Mm. Do you think the club should come under scrutiny, Steve, when you have fans doing stuff like that? Uh, do you think that there should be some sort of, I don't know, look at them actually being in the in the competition? Is it? Can we go as well, far as that when you've got fans that are just causing be. so much drama? 
probably will be you would imagine there'll be some kind of um examination into this there'll be some kind of report submitted and uh you would imagine that they may have to play some kind of um you know some kind of games behind closed doors that's that's what you would imagine but it's not it's not pretty it's not it's not good to see and european games you know sometimes cause these kind of issues when when english teams go abroad we saw a little flare up you know uh, for psg and newcastle the other night mm. but it wasn't it wasn't anything m- more than that um you know a few tables and chairs thrown and a, a couple of flares chucked into a bar but no one no one seriously hurt but yeah yeah you, you know you, you think in this day and age with cameras and with the amount of police that, that that they have that these things wouldn't happen but it just shows you a small minority can cause can cause issues you know I'm pleased about one yeah, thing. I'm pleased scary. the fans didn't get in because at least yeah. that's going yeah, to going to send a message to the to the rest of yeah. the fans, which is if these idiots are, are going to attend and cause trouble, you are going to be punished um, because you're not going to get in to see the football match. You've you've spent the money to travel. You've spent the money on mm. match tickets. You've taken the time out to to travel over to the UK. So I'm actually pleased they didn't get in the stadium. But what really concerns me is that line from Villa confirming that they tried to cooperate with Legia Warsaw Football Club yeah, exactly. in advance yes. to talk yeah. about fans' travel, fans' behaviour, sharing intel, all the sort of stuff that clubs do, and they got nothing back. That hugely yeah. concerns me. Ted, and I was going to ask and you And it should concern you ever. Yeah, I was going to ask you that very question. Uh, Aston Villa obviously in massive talks prior to the game with this exact worry and it still went ahead. Is that something that we can allow? For me, no, you can't. It's it's too risky. I mean, you know, these European nights, and Steve just touched on this before, you look at the relationship with Dortmund and Newcastle, apart from the traffic warden, obviously. Um, But yeah, the relationship there between the fans... Drinking together, having having a laugh, and you know, making it almost like a party atmosphere. You you mm. go and watch rugby games, and I've I've you know I've been lucky enough to attend a couple of international rugby games in the past as well. Rival fans coming together, it's in the spirit of the game. Yes, you have your rivalries and all that sort of <clears> thing, but you're always going to get these little flare-ups between fans. It's it's almost impossible to eradicate that, unfortunately, but. When the club, when one of the, the you know the rival club is refusing to cooperate, then I'm sorry, but there the, the should be some sort of you know indictment on them, or, or whether it's a ban, whether it's as Steve says, you, you you play games behind closed doors. Let's put it this way: if that was English fans causing that trouble, it would be absolutely such a hue and cry with UEFA and all the pointing of fingers, and then you know another yep. potential ban from football. So you know the the need to take a, tr- a strong stance on this, and that from from Legia Warsaw not to respond and not to cooperate with fan safety is is unforgivable as far as I'm concerned. If it was yeah, England it fans, like if it was cool England scenes. fans that did that, or sorry, should I say, if it was fans from an English club doing that on the continent, you can guarantee there would be bans coming in from UEFA. Yeah, mm, 100%. I agree. Westman Benz police also reported this morning that obviously they had uh, one of the injured officers who had been had to be taken to hospital, but also it com- confirmed that two police horses and two police dogs had also been hurt in the ruckus as well. So that's when that gets, starts to, you know, I don't know. I'm a big animal lover and I just hate hearing yeah, that as well. But obviously yeah. no respect at all for, for, you know, for the police, you know, horses or, or dogs that are obviously there trying to help contain the situation. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, get on social media, you'll be able to see it. 
uh, the scenes there were very scary. Some, like you said, like a you know almost like a war zone, but it was it was uh, yeah highly disgusting and uh, dangerous scenes for for those outside the Villa Park last night. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think obviously something needs to be done. Obviously, if you're going to have fans that are like that, but you have got clubs as well, uh, just bringing it up with the other club as well. Uh, and then getting no response. I think that just, you know, it just, it just worries me that the, that the, you know, both clubs can't come together and, and come to some sort of agreement where, you know, they just want to protect the safety of people of attending. I'd hate to be there, you know, with my child or anything like that, just to support my club and, and be faced with that outside and have to explain that. So yeah, fingers crossed, uh, that, uh, no one is seriously hurt. It doesn't look like anyone was obviously one police officer still in hospital. Uh, but the two police horses and two police dogs breaks my heart. That's, that's the terrible one. And, uh, yeah, hopefully those scenes, we don't see them again because that's the type of football stuff we don't want in our game for sure. Oh, we're closing in here on 10 to 9. And, it is your Northeast and guess who's show. walked through the door? Guess who's just walked through the door? Oh, and it's Good the man, morning. the myth, the famous one, Daz. Thank you for <laughs> morning, gracing Daz. us with your presence. Good morning. How are we doing, guys? Great show. All so, good, man. So, very, yeah. very good. Are yeah, we, very good, are thank we you. optimistic about the weekend? Uh, I am, I am, I am. We're going to go around now and get the lads' predictions from all the games. Thank you for joining us, Daz. I appreciate that. You are the famous one of our group now. Uh, And I wanted to know, uh, let's start off with the way we started off the show. We'll start with Newcastle uh, entertaining Man United. Uh, we mm. were going to have a special guest on, but unfortunately the snow has uh, has come <laughs> poor in Melly's uh, digging quite his heavily. Car out. Oh. Poor Melly. So, so we won't be able to get Melly on, but we were going to talk Newcastle Man United now. But we'll start off with them anyway. We'll get some predictions. Starting off with the true uh, Geordie in the room, Ted. Uh, no, I mean, I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Steve, thoughts this weekend? What is your prediction Which in a Steve? result? Which Steve? There's three of you this yes. morning. <laughs> Steve, Steve, or Steve. The, or real Steve. the real Lazarus. To be honest, this game is, uh, like I said, is always a big one in our calendar and I think that the performances that Newcastle have put in in the last two games against Chelsea and PSG will carry them in good stead I can see Newcastle winning this game by two goals to nil I think that um, Alexander Rizak has come back from his latest injury on fine form uh, his fitness isn't an issue he knows where the back of the net is Anthony Gordon is running himself into the ground and uh, certainly filling that gap that Sean Longstaff's left Bruno Gamarez seems to be revelling playing alongside Lewis Miley at the moment and in the back uh, we've got Nick Pope who had a, an absolute blinder on Tuesday night and he's ably supported by a back four which has proven every bit as solid as the back four that we we had last season with uh, Tino Liveramento deputising at left back Kieran Trippier playing well at right back and your centre half pairing of Fabian Scherer and Jamal Lascelles doing just as well as Fabian Scherer and Botman so for me personally I've got no worries I don't think Manchester United enjoy coming to St James's Park I think the crowd will react to Mia Dagadusi's tweet and and we'll be going full pelters tomorrow night because it's it's eight o'clock at night. Everyone will be out in the drink from twelve, and ultimately the atmosphere will be absolutely bouncing and rocking. What we need really is we need the referee to give us a free uh, give a free kick against us in that opening five minutes, which gets everybody going mental. And I I just think Man United will buckle tomorrow. Um, we played them at Old Trafford in the Carabao Cup. Both teams both teams obviously made changes, but. You know, Newcastle beat them 3-0. I think that that potential mental block about beating Manchester United and looking at Manchester United as a big team has, has gone over the last couple of years. And I think Newcastle United won't be won't be you know worried about this at all. There may also be a surprise. 
you know, a member of you know Newcastle's team make it back. We don't know, but you know, Eddie Howe plays his cards close to his chest. The press conference will be in the next hour, so you know, we'll find out more about that then. But yeah, I'm going for a 2 0 win to Newcastle at the weekend. Uh, Ted, what are you thinking for the uh, the Geordies? Obviously, entertaining Man United. Well, one thing I have noticed is Man United haven't drawn a single league game this season. They've, they've, they've won eight and they've lost five. Man United will find ways to eke out results. Uh, so, I, for once, I'm actually going to disagree with Steve. It's not often this does happen. Oh. I think it will be a case of Man United eking out a result rather than Newcastle. That, oh. For a little bit of respect to the Geordies. I think it'll be a draw. Oh, okay. That's Dave sitting there. A a score draw, ones each. One each. There we go. The Macam, he's calculated with his assessments this morning. I love it. Dave, Daz, sitting in the studio, Man United, Newcastle. Who are we fancying? Who's going to go first? We're very polite in the studio. After you. Okay, thank you. Um... Uh, do you know what? For the last couple of Champions League uh, games that Newcastle have played, I've come off the back of them saying it'll be after the Lord Mayor's show. I think it'll be different tomorrow. I think yeah, mm-hmm. I think Newcastle will do Manchester United. Um, I don't think there'll be any any. Um, I just don't think there'll be any hangover from from UEFA this time round, and it's because it's Manchester United uh, coming to St James's. And I've been there. Uh, you know, I've reported on those games and I've seen what that fixture means to, to Newcastle United fans. And I think the players will feel that as well. So I'm going to go. It's, it's not going to be a walkover. It's not going to be a cake walk. Um, but for me, I think I think Newcastle, I was going to say United, Newcastle uh, will have the advantage. They're going to win it 2-1. Um, I'm, I'm thinking after the Chelsea game uh, and obviously the, the, the PSG game, you know the, the confidence, particularly after the Chelsea game, I think is going to be on a high. I mean, after the, after Chelsea's four-four, everyone thought Chelsea would come to St James's Park and do them. Uh, well, look what happened. You know, Newcastle absolutely turned it on, and I think they're going to do the same tomorrow. I think they're going to. I think it's going to be three-one. I think Man United will score, uh, but I think Newcastle will be way too strong for them. So I'm going three-one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually going for the same as in the Carabao Cup. I'm going for a 3-0 victory. I think Man United just have too many issues, especially with Anana and goal. This, what I'm seeing is they're not even sure that he will play tomorrow. So uh, we'll be interesting there. I'm going for a Newcastle victory there. Let's quickly go over to the Mackhams. We've got Sunderland travelling down to Millwall. We'll start again with you, Steve. Uh, predictions for the Mackhams v Millwall. 2-0 to Millwall for me. Ooh, straight in. <laughs> like, like a rapier. We'll end with the Mackham himself, just to give him give us his uh, his his uh, you know analytical response. Uh, Dav, 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 and Daz, Daz and Bav, Mav and Jav. What are your predictions? Well, uh, after you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think Sunderland are going to nick this one. I think it's going to be a really really tight game, but I think they're going to nick it one nil. Ooh. Oof. I don't know where this one's going to land actually because Sunderland is struggling at the moment I've got to be honest but I hate Millwall with a passion so I don't want to give them anything (laughs) Um, I'm going to go for a nil-niller Sunderland will come back with a point that won't be a goal scored I'm going to say before I jump in just because I don't know where your goals are going to come from there 
head the Mackham. I'm sorry. I think Millwall are going to win at 1-0. I'm going to go for Duncan Watmore, the ginger Messi to score as well. Uh, I'm just worried. I'm just worried where, where Sunderland are get their goals from. Ted, what are the predictions? I think we're finally going to... The longer it goes on, the, the more likely it's going to happen that a striker is going to start scoring for us. And I, I do think we will turn it around against Millwall. Um, I'm going for a 2-1 win. I, I did actually have what more down to score as well. There's obviously former player played yeah. against us and all that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll sneak it 2-1. Mm, interesting. And then let's talk about... The best game of the round, the team we all want to care about. The one we tune in for every Monday to Friday here in the Northeast Breakish Show, the mighty Middlesbrough travelling down to Dirty Leeds. I'll no, kick dirty, it off. I'm actually dirty uh, I'm going for a 3-0 victory. That's how confident I am. Uh, I just think we're just going to absolutely, we're just going to tell Leeds uh, how to play football and we're going back to the Premier League. We'll take their third spot uh, and the weekend on a high. Uh, Steve, are you as optimistic as I am? 2-2, two, two, mate. I'm going for on this one. Oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah. I'll take that. Mm. Well, I, I, was, and Mav. I was going for 1-1. One, one. I, I, I think that's... And I'm being hopeful. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. I'm going to let my heart rule my head and say 1-1. One, one. Yeah. yeah. Ted the Mackham. The only result you haven't had so far this season, 0-0. Nil, nil. Oh, okay. He's a stat man okay. this morning, he is, isn't he? Wow, he is. Yeah, he's doing boys. He has. He's a stat man. I think there's more chance of me getting into Parliament. I picture glasses and like a pen and notepad. Right? There you go. What a morning show. What a week, lads. We're done. Monday to Friday, Northeast Freaky Show. Clocked in for another week. We're into December. Can you believe Get it? December is here. It's Christmas Christmas is around the corner. Oh, yes. How wise of Dave not to attempt a tune? Oh no! <laughs> hey, <laughs> love you guys. Love Take it. Care. Have a great so weekend, guys. Have, Have a good one, lads. Good luck to all See the Northeast teams. Yeah, See all the best. Bye. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across. The red, the tune, and the cat.